Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, and I'd like to welcome you to another session of self-coaching, where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's anxiety, depression, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Now, each week I answer real-life questions emailed to me at my selfcoaching.net website. And today's question comes from Mark. And Mark asks, what's the meaning of life? You know, it's funny, but I'm often asked this by patients. They, they want to know. What's the meaning of life? You know, just because I'm a psychologist, I guess people assume I have discovered the meaning of life. The meaning of life is an individual thing. And everyone has that possibility to define life as meaningful or meaningless or somewhere in between. And maybe today I can help you decide how you could put meaning into your life. So from... From a self-coaching standpoint, I ask myself, what's the meaning of life? And the only answer I've ever come up with that comes close is that the meaning of life is the meaning you put into it. Now, that kind of begs the question in that, well, if it's the meaning you put into it, then life itself has no meaning. Well, that's kind of exactly what I'm saying is that life is neither good nor bad, black or white. It's really what we say it is. Certainly there are some people that will look at life and uh, see it as, with rosy-colored glasses and others with very dark, dim glasses. But it's the same life. It's just that we all see it differently. It isn't life. It isn't our struggle. It isn't the circumstances. It's how we react to those circumstances. And yes, so I'm, I'm looking at life as a blank canvas, a canvas that we judge and interpret. You see, to put meaning into your life, on some level you do have to transcend your challenges. Think of a stream. And let's, let's say that stream represents life's struggles. And the stream is ongoing just like life itself, and we are in that stream. Now, this is when we are hammered by certain circumstances, difficult circumstances. So we're in that stream of struggle. What's to say you can't step out of that stream? The stream goes on. The struggle's still there. But you're taking your mind out of the stream. Now, what does that do? Well, it doesn't change the struggle, whatever that struggle may be. But it does affect you. It does demonstrate something that's vitally important, that the struggle doesn't own you. This has to be repeated again and again. You don't identify with your struggle. I'm often seeing patients that come in identified with anxiety and depression. They come in and is no separation. They are their depression. They are their anxiety. And they identify with it as if it's who they are. 
And if we allow ourselves to become contaminated mentally, then, of course, we do become those nefarious kind of aspects of life itself. So separating, stepping out of that stream, recognizes that regardless of the struggle, you are not that struggle. You have options. I recall the movie Hurricane. In the movie, Hurricane Carter, who was a professional boxer, was accused of murder and was sentenced to life imprisonment. And the film did a very nice job of kind of showing Hurricane sitting in his cell, this isolated cell with dimly lit lighting, sitting there in a lotus position, meditating. And as the camera zoomed out, it affected me because I said, my goodness, here's a guy who's confined in a cage, and yet he's taking his mind to places far beyond that prison. Now, did Hurricane Carter find meaning in life? I, that I don't know. But in order to find the meaning of your life, you can't let it be defined by the negatives of your life, in which case, if you do, then the negatives will produce the meaning that you get from life. You will see this world and this life as a very dismal place, not a very inviting place. When, when life seems to challenge us in such ways that we, we begin to become closed mind and we start to narrow our focus, when our options begin to feel less apparent, and depression tends to set in, and we find no joy, less meaning, or no meaning in life itself. This is a very dangerous place. Bad things happen when we are in this place. Now, you don't ever have to get to that place, nor do you ever have to concede to sliding down that slippery slope. But what's important is for you to own the fact as, as Richard Lovelace said in his poem, stone walls do not a prison make, nor iron bars a cage. We determine what our cage is. If you're feeling caged, then it's time to recognize that you're taking that blank screen of life, that canvas I mentioned earlier, and you're selecting all the dark palette to color it with. One way to extricate yourself from the tendency to let struggles define the meaning of your life, learn to really come into the present. This is this whole mindfulness movement. Come into the present and realize that most, if not all of the things that taint our view of our lives, our perception, our philosophy of life, our meaning of life. Most, if not all the things that create the negative patterning, come from thoughts not in front of us, in the here and now, but thoughts about tomorrow's woes, how I'll handle this, what shall I do if. 
the old what-ifs, or the past, the regrets, the guilt. You know, all of the past and the future, these are abstractions that the insecurity-driven mind will create. And they become habituated and patterned. And you become part of this pattern of self-destruction. So rather than being present and giving yourself a shot to be happy, a shot to be, if not happy, at least neutral, you contaminate yourself by abandoning the present and going off into what insecurity determines to be your path. So get into your present. Now, what's your present? Well, you're listening to this right now. This is your present. So you and I are kind of connected to a present moment. And in this present moment, where are you? You're sitting somewhere, walking somewhere. Take a look. What's around you? These are neutral things. These are not things contaminated and imbued with all kinds of horrific feelings and associations. That comes into play when we take ourselves out of this kind of innocuous present moment and we start to conjure up those things that our insecurity says we must be dealing with and all that kind of stuff. Come back to the present. It's your best shot to neutralize and be where you need to be. Now, in order to cultivate a meaningful life, go back to what I said in the beginning. The meaning of life is the meaning you put into it. Now, what, what exactly is the meaning we put into it? Now, I can't define your meaning. I'm more or less talking about my meaning. And the meaning I put into it is to continue to realize that, that blank canvas. What do I want to make of this life? How am I going to color today? And I try to stay present. Obviously, it's impossible to be present 24 hours a day, but, but you keep coming back to the present. And how am I coloring my day? Am I caught up? Am I somewhere else in past, future? Or am I here? And I'm staring at that blank slate. Now, if I'm staring at that blank slate, what am I going to do with it? Uh-huh. Here's the meaning I put into it. Well, I have some free time this afternoon. What could I do that would make me feel connected, happy, productive? Now, in my case, today, for example, I have a garden wall that collapsed this past winter. And that's something I'm really looking forward to. Now, you may wonder, well, how, how in the world can getting in the mud and grabbing those rocks and trying to reconnect everything back, how, how could that put meaning into my life? It's a good question. You know, the Zen adage, chop wood, carry water, just, just doing things. But to me... Building a wall, a silly wall. It it is meaningful, and it is more. It is not any less meaningful than anything else I do. 
You see, because I'm the one that says it's meaningful. I get satisfaction out of it. I enjoy it. And one day when I finish that wall, I'll look at it and I'll have a sense of accomplishment, a sense of feeling of self-worth that I made this wall happen. A wall that was shattered and lying in in reckless uh, disarray all over the yard. I was able to reconstruct and bring back something that kind of resonates with me. You know, sometimes we're like that fractured wall, the wall that crumbles. And sometimes you need to see it that way and you need to realize you've got to get into the muck and mire of that mud and you've got to reclaim those stones and put them back one by one and reconstruct that wall. Now that's meaningful, but it's also meaningful in a psychological sense. What's your wall? Is it crumbling? And if so, where are you with the process? Are you just living with the fact, I'm a crumbled wall, this is terrible, it's ugly, it's disastrous? Or are you looking forward to the challenge of bringing back the beautiful wall that you once were? It's a metaphor, like any other metaphor. Sometimes they fall short. But I like to live my life that way. I like to live each day as if it were a separate universe. And maybe there are some cosmologists who would uh, agree, based on quantum mechanics, that there is only this day, nothing else. Remember we were talking about past and future, mental abstractions. But today is your universe, my universe, this universe. And there'll never be this day again. Now, If you say to yourself, I'm a victim of my job, of my commitments, then of course this day becomes victimized. A shame. You lost an opportunity. You stayed in the stream. Rather than allowing your universe to slip out of your hands, grasp it. Get into it. Build your wall. The reason you might hesitate is because you're not used to being present enough to realize that what you do with your day, what you do with your minutes, is critical. We tend to waste time. I often wonder about that concept, wasting time. How do we waste time? If we decide to read a book or watch a movie or watch the clouds or Are we wasting time? I don't know. Can time be wasted? I don't think so. Time is either going to be used to make you feel better, more attached, more meaningful, or the opposite. Time is going to be the enemy as we count the minutes and the hours till we get out of work. See, rather than Attaching to what we do, even if it's counting beans, we detach, we become bored. And boredom is stressful, it's an emotion, it causes anxiety. Attach rather than detach. Your universe, your day requires attention, being present, even 
while working, managing, or struggling. But do it with proper attention, attachment. And if it's stepping out of the stream, then it's proper detachment from the struggle. But when your ordinary, let's call it your ordinary day, where it's routine, and essentially your struggles are manageable, and it's your typical ongoing day-to-day. These are the opportunities that do get wasted, because most of your days are these typical mundane days. Sure, there are exceptions, of course, but most days we would clump together and just say another typical ordinary day. Ups, downs, challenges, frustrations. That's an ordinary day. But in those compartmentalized places where you value the universe of today, that's, that's where the opportunity lies. See, so let's, let's all agree that the universe of today can have meaning or have no meaning. So who the heck do you think it's up to? If your day doesn't have meaning, it's not the day's fault. It's not your job's fault. No. It's because you refuse to find meaning. Let's say you're digging ditches for a living. Surely it's difficult to, to say, well, it's hard to find meaning in digging a ditch. Well, that's not true. Participating being productive, working for extrinsic reward, that's meaningful. You're doing something meaningful. Sure, you'd rather be on a vacation or be doing anything else, but you're doing something for a reason. So rather than hate what you're doing, see it as a vehicle. See it as a vehicle to get into a deeper part of your own psyche. You're part of you that wants to be a productive participant in this whole thing of what we call life. So I guess to sum up, I go back to that blank canvas. And today as I record this episode, this is part of what I'm putting on my canvas. It's fun. It's exciting. And when I finish this, maybe I'll have a few minutes to get down to my wall and put in a few more blocks. Now, I don't know what's happening after that, but basically I'll try to be present and I'll let the moments flow one into the other. And tomorrow will be another universe, I assume. Of course, that's not being present. But you know what? I'll live with optimism. And optimism projects into the future. It says that things are going to be better. They may not be, but you see, the reason optimism is so valuable is because we live a better present because of it. It liberates us, it frees us, and we can enjoy our universe of today. So cultivate some optimism. It's a choice. The struggles are there. That's, that's part of the circumstantial aspect of life. You know, we're vulnerable creatures. We get dinged and nicked up and get sick and all kinds of things. The struggles are there. That's part of life. You're not denying that. You're not living in some la-la land. You're, you're definitely 
accepting life. Now, this is a, another very critical component of a meaningful life. You can't resist life if you're going to find optimism, meaning, happiness. You have to yield to what life is. You can't very well create a false life or something not realistic. But if you're resisting that life, if you hate every bean you have to count or every ditch you have to dig, you're going to struggle. You're going to suffer. So what's the answer? And that's to yield to what is, to what you can't change. And in yielding, you reduce psychological friction. Now, as I mentioned, if you can take it a step further and attach rather than detach and become connected to what you do, then you have a real shot at just not creating the frictions that, that generate emotional anxiety and stress. And you don't need stress. Maybe some of you are listening to this and you're shaking your head and you're saying, eh, he just doesn't get it. You know, this, it sounds okay, all this self-coaching stuff, but you know what? It doesn't really apply to the real world. So let me tell you about a very close friend. His name was Ralph. And Ralph at least convinced me that my philosophy on the meaning of life was sound. Let's put it this way. He demonstrated everything that I've just been talking to you about in his life. Ralph had pancreatic cancer, and he was given five years to live. He lived 15. When he went back to his checkup at Columbia, Everyone lined the halls and applauded him, and he was, he was just like a wonder guy. Everybody was impressed with his resilience. And I, I like to think that a lot of his resilience came from his attitude. Ralph loved life. He loved people. He said that in high school, he was called Handshake Ralph, made friends with everybody. It didn't matter. I remember if we were in a grocery store or a restaurant, he would start up a conversation and make everyone feel terrific. Hey, how you doing? Hey, nice to see you again. He was just that kind of guy. Now, towards the end, he started to struggle. But he didn't struggle mentally. I'd pick up the phone Hey, Joe, how are you doing? And I'd say, no, how are you doing? He said, ah, we don't need to go there. One day I got a call from Costa Rica. Hey, Joe, it's wonderful down here. Having the time of my life. Ralph had a few bucket list things he wanted to do, and by God, he did them. One was to travel across the United States, through Mexico. He would not let his terminal cancer define him. Refused. Just refused. 
I, I have to be admit, you know, I, I scratched my head many times. How, how can he be doing this? Is it possible? Can someone going through what he's going through possibly, possibly have this, this attitude toward life? Well, like I said, he taught me that, yes, it can happen. I don't know if I could ever manage to reach that level of meaningfulness because this guy was, he was a pro. He found meaning in everything and he transcended all his problems. And there were many, not just physical, trust me. Nothing diminished his enthusiasm for life. And at the very end, maybe a week or two before he died, he said, I don't think it's a good idea for us to talk anymore because I don't want to bring you down and it's just hard for me to talk. So if it's okay, let's end on a high note. And we did. So what does Ralph teach us? Well, Ralph teaches us that, yes, we can challenge the uh, blank canvas self-coaching paradigm and we could say, eh, it's, it's okay, but. Or we can say that life doesn't own us. We own our lives. And visit my selfcoaching.net website where you could learn more about my self-coaching philosophy and check out my number one best-selling books now published in 10 languages. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. By definition, victims are powerless, and you are not powerless. Remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join me, and let's make it simple together. Reach out for your dreams Don't surrender, there is more than it seems Hold on and fight, follow your heart This is your way, life is what you make of it Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams Don't surrender, there is more than it seems Hold on and fight, follow your heart